The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr. I'm joined today by Deborah Fitzgerald. Deborah, thanks for joining me in the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Miles. <laughs> we just have a few short news and holiday updates that we wanted to get out there, everybody, and have a discussion about election news, holiday updates. But first, some big money floating around. Yeah, some communities are really excited right now. <laughs> Destination Door County has announced the latest round of awards for their community investment fund grants. And I think this time around, it's about a quarter million dollars doled out to six communities, Deb? Yes, six projects. Uh, Town of Sevastopol, Town of Jacksonport, the Village of Sister Bay, the City of Sturgeon Bay, Door Shakespeare, and Peninsula School of Art. When you saw the awards, and we'll go through what each one is, but which one uh, stuck out to you as like the most exciting. What is it, the restrooms? <laughs> Sevastopol's restroom facilities <laughs> that it's going to be building. Yeah, that was the biggest priced one, $70,000, the town of Sevastopol got for their restroom facilities. And no, it's not exciting at all. Like I looked at it <laughs> and I thought, oh, they're going to be putting in restrooms. And then I thought, wow, it costs $70,000 to put in restrooms. So they have to be ADA compliant and it's for men's, women's, and families. I'm not quite sure what that distinction is, why a whole family would need to go in, probably little kids. But well, they have like these family restrooms that, yeah, it's just for like if you have to bring kids in there. And stuff. Or something like that. But then I thought, so I, I thought that immediately. My mind went there too. Oh, they're funding a bathroom. And then I thought, well, if you have a park complex like they're building, like this is part of their new ball fields and they have a lot of things going on over there. And it's- Is this where they put the new pickleball courts too? Yeah, over there. And they're redoing the baseball fields with the school district. So I thought not real sexy, but I mean, who would pay for it? You know, I mean, you do have to have bathroom facilities and they can't smell like the one at Frankie Murphy Park. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but I love going down there on the weekend in the morning, especially this time of year, because it's kind of like a track. And if you go around it six times, like then you're doing three miles and then they have a nice pier where you can do yoga afterwards, blah, blah, blah. So I'm down there, but oh my God, you go by the bathroom and it smells so bad, like this chemical kind of, I don't know. So I, I'm not... I'm not being critical. I'm just I'm just being factual. No. It is. Yeah. So, of course, you can't have that at a town park facility. So $70,000 to build new bathrooms. I mean, what taxpayer would go for that if you didn't get it? Well, I mean, I bet you that's only a chunk of it, right? Right. Like, Prob right. Sure. I don't know the full scope, but you're right. The other awards. Well, first of all, we should remind people because we know this because we reported on a lot. But the Community Investment Fund is a subset of room tax dollars that starting this year, they set it aside for these community investment fund grants. I think this year it's a, they set aside 800 and some thousand in total. Well, that number moved a couple of times. So I think it was more like 1.2 million because they essentially put some in the 2022 budget. And then this year they put more. So I think it, I think it came out to a little over a million that they had in this fund 
when they started making the grants in January, I mean, January was the first application period this year, when they started making the grants this year. And the way it works is these projects have to be both abide by state statute. They have to benefit tourists, but they also are looking for things that help the local community. So in this case, a restroom, which any tourists using that facility and the pickleball ones, and then obviously locals will benefit from that as well. Mm Mm-hmm. What are some of the other projects that were awarded grants? So some of the other projects, and I should say that this is the final grant cycle. So they only had three this year because they just kicked it off this year. But this is the third of the year. So those six projects that were just granted are actually part of the total number of 18 projects so far this year. And so the total that has been granted for this first year is $828,917. I was going to, at some point, take a look and see if there were any other programs like this where really tourist dollars are diverted into projects that people can see, that local residents can actually take advantage of and use and see as a positive amenity in their community. And I don't know if there are any other programs like this. Seems very unique to me, but I don't know that for a fact. Anyway, getting back to the projects, the other projects are the town of Jacksonport to refurbish its Lakeside Park pavilions. That's for $61,421. And then the village of Sister Bay got another one. They got one of the first ones, actually, $90,000 for the the engineering of the trail that they're building up there. So now this one is for $48,489 towards the purchase of a shuttle bus that will provide public transportation to residents, J-1 workers, and visitors. So that's pretty cool. And then $40,000 for the city of Sturgeon Bay. I think that they've received a couple of grants so far to purchase floating docks for the Sawyer Park boat ramp, creating greater safety and accessibility for boaters. Dora Shakespeare received $18,756 to purchase a six-seat electric cart. That sounds like a very expensive like a golf cart. electric cart. Do they cost that much? Wow. They, well, they do, actually. And, and I would guess, and I haven't looked into this plan, but my hunch is this is like maybe an eight-seater or something like that. It that says that it's a six-seater oh, a six with seater. a trailer oh, okay. to transport individuals with mobility concerns. Got it. So that would add to that. And then 15000 for the Peninsula School of Art to increase public access to main points of entry on their campus. Okay. So it is all, I would say all of them are not really sexy. <laughs> well, the one that stuck out to me was the $48,000 for that shuttle bus. Just because I know the history of that project and you know, Louise Housen up there, who just up by the office uh, a little while ago, I forgot to congratulate her about this, but oh, she's right. been working on that shuttle for five years and kind of grew out of the tragedy when uh, a young woman died on Fall Fest weekend, drunk driver drove into the lake and Louise was pretty determined after that to like try and find a way to make, make it safer for people to get around and address the public transportation shortage. And Mike Holmes was involved in that push, James Larson at Husby's. And this kind of grew out of that, those first efforts. They had a used bus for a while and now they have, and that bus has been breaking down a lot. So now they finally have a, the money to purchase a, a real, I shouldn't say real bus, the other one's real, but something that's like reliable. Right. You know? So pretty cool to see someone work on that for a long time and finally get that. So Yeah, and especially when, I mean, it does take so long to do that. And you almost forget, it turns into this disjunction between the problem and the solution. 
because as you talked about, it was a tragedy that that young woman drove into the lake. Well, everything that people were saying at that time was, it's because of all of the tourists up here. And if you didn't try and attract all the tourists, then we wouldn't have these tragedies. And if it wasn't so busy and blah, blah, blah. And Louise was really early in her job in the Sister Bay Advancement yeah. Association. But she did pick up that torch and decide to run with a solution. Well, now we're like, what, seven years <laughs> later? So, and she's still working on that. Yeah. I mean, she's still working to keep that bus, which is very successful. And it's used every single season. Yep. So she still continues to work on that to try and make it a better program. Meanwhile, everybody has forgotten what that is, you know, attempting to be a solution what for. What it grew out of. Yeah. 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 So. And it takes a lot to stick with something like that. Yes. I mean, right. And then you almost lose, like, people are like, why, why are they doing that? Like when it was the big the big solution to a yeah. big problem at one time. Right. So it takes a lot of personal initiative and belief and passion to be able to continue something like that. So so that one is cool. I mean, we do happen to know the history. Maybe the bathrooms are just as cool if we knew. <laughs> I would say history. like this round is some of the least sexy of the grants. But I think so too. But that's not to diminish the projects. Nope. They're just not as showy as some of the other ones. But right. so that's their, their final round this year. It comes yes. back again next year. Yeah. Um, They've already said that it's coming back. Next year. Okay. I have that quoted in the story. And uh, I'd argue that they should be putting a lot more money toward those projects because, hey, they are really good for tourism. And, you know, it's one of those few ways that all the locals, when we sit here and we hear it all the time, we get the emails. Mm -hmm. We see the Facebook comments of like, what's the point? Like, we got to stop tourism. We got to stop tourism. This is one of those ways where it's like, hey, we can help tourism, but we can really help locals. Mm -hmm. So Right. It's a cool project. So in a way congratulations. That you can see it, you know, right, right. Tangible ways. Congratulations to everybody who received a successful grant. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and do a quick rundown of what's coming up for the holiday season. The Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kewanee counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org careers. All right, welcome back. This weekend, as we're talking here, it's Friday afternoon. Sturgeon Bay is gearing up for their big holiday kickoff celebration. We just wanted to give a quick run out because there's so much going on over the next like three weeks compared to, you know, this just wasn't always a big time of year in Door County. But now like Thanksgiving weekend is really busy and there's like a two week stretch of there's quite a bit going on. Yeah, we used to think that it was all in the fall. Yeah. Like all the fall festivals that happen one after another. Well, we put together a holiday list that's coming out in this week's paper. And I was just astonished. I didn't realize that every single community almost now has a fairly large Christmas celebration. Right. So it would be Jacksonport. Well, that's the Thanksgiving Day Parade. So Sturgeon Bay, Egg Harbor, Sister Bay, Bailey's Harbor, those communities. Ephraim. Ephraim. So all of those communities have some pretty special things going on. And fortunately, they're not all on the same weekend. <laughs> 
but a couple of them are. Yeah. So you're definitely going to want to check out that list that is in this upcoming paper, which as we're talking on a Friday, we had a very short deadline. <laughs> we normally send the paper to the printer on Wednesdays and we sent it on Monday. Well, we're sending it on Monday. So it is really a heightened deadline. But that paper is the one that you want to take a look at to find out what's coming up for the next three weeks, really, until Christmas. And you can find that online at doorcountypulse.com right now. You know, I have not been to the unwrapping Sturgeon Bay event that's coming on. I think that's tonight. It is tonight. As we're talking. Yeah. You went to that a couple of years ago. I did, yes. What exactly is unwrapping Sturgeon Bay? So they, all of the participating businesses keep something hiding their windows And it turns into a big car parade. And as the car parade is going by, then the windows are opened up and revealed. So the unwrapping portion of it is unwrapping their windows for the Christmas season. And then a lot of the businesses... And these are like big Christmas displays in their windows? Okay. Yeah. A lot of the businesses also have refreshments and different things for people. And where do they do like? Is this 3rd Avenue? Is it West... Madison? What, what is this? It is on 3rd Avenue, but it's also on the west side too. Okay. So it's also on West Madison. Okay. So I went to it during its inaugural year. So that was, I want to say- Was f- that a COVID thing? Yes. <laughs> I think it started as a COVID thing. Okay. You're right. It's so hard to, but yeah, <laughs> of course, of course it was. And it was a way for people to be able to still have some celebration and festive spirit, even if they were in their cars. Sure. So it was, yeah, it was definitely a a COVID, but it was successful. And so they've continued to have it. But the inaugural year that we went, it was really freezing out. I remember that. (laughs) And I also remember that Santa went by too fast, so we couldn't get photos. Oh yeah, you said he was going at like 65. Like 55 miles an hour. reindeer are faster nowadays. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) And last year it was snowing because we always pull some photos for the previews. mm -hmm. And last year's, at least for the parade, which the a big parade tomorrow, Saturday, that there was snow on the ground. So this year we it definitely feels don't like have we snow. are far away from snow right now. Yeah, but which is good because I still got to put the snow bars on my roof that I've had for two years. Oh, good. I've been putting it off. Got lazy last year. Didn't get them up there because I put one up and realized I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and I have a metal roof for the listeners, so I in front of my house the snow comes off in big sheets and then just forms a big block of ice. Not fun. And I'm just too lazy to fix this damn problem. So this this weekend is maybe my job. Anyway, back to the holidays. <laughs> yes. Tomorrow, I just want to mention that the parade is really a big one in Sturgeon Bay. I mean, some yeah. really awesome floats, cool. amazing floats. When I was taking a look at the photos, selecting some for this week's paper, I was like, crap, those are really nice floats. So some people put a lot of work into this. Well, if any of our listeners like making floats, because I've always I like, I always like the idea of us doing a float, but we I have talk none of those it. creative like abilities, and like so I don't know if that what that creative ability is, if it's like paper mache skills or whatever it is. But if somebody wants to do it, you can do one for us, and we will pay you literally like tens of dollars to make a float for us. So if anyone's interested in helping me with a pulse float, I'm in. We talk about it in July every year. And it we should nowhere. do a float. We should do a float. We should do a float. And then we come up with some ideas. And- I mean, there's always a cheap way of just like, all right, we'll drive our pulse van through the parade. But I feel like like it's got to be better than that. It yeah. just feels still too lame. So yeah. the other things going on. So you got Christmas by the Bay this weekend. Yes. And then 
Thanksgiving weekend, you have the Jacksonport Thanksgiving Day Parade, which is a benefit for a woman named Stephanie Lesnowski, who has six kids and has had a ton of medical issues. And we'll have a story about her in next week's paper, so not to spoil that, but that's always a great event. Raises anywhere from like three to $5,000 for a local individual in need, which is very cool. That's a fun grassroots kind of parade that has turned into a bigger thing. I mean, it yeah. started out really with just a bunch of people. We don't have a parade. Let's have a parade. Yeah. And then that weekend, you also have Capture the Spirit and Sister Bay happening Friday and Saturday. And then Holly Days in Egg Harbor happening Friday and Saturday. Our crew from the Peninsula Pacers will be putting on the One Barrel Fun Run. So if you want to do a little run, go to One Barrel and you get to run down Whitecliff Road and you get a cool One Barrel 2.62 hat. Hmm. Ellison Bay will host its third annual Gobble Wobble, which is a family kid run walk on November 23. That's Thanksgiving Day. That's Thanksgiving. Oh, that's right. Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> yes. So if you want to burn some calories before you pack in the pack calories, on the pound. <laughs> yeah, then that's something for you. Following the gobble wobble and the Thanksgiving weekend events, next up is on December 2nd, Ephraim does their Christmas in the village. And then on December 9th, Bailey's Harbor hosts Harbor Holiday. And that also coincides, I believe, with the Ridges Natural Christmas. Yeah, the Natural events. Christmas is that weekend as well. So that's a that's a, a really beautiful event. I went to that last year for the first time. I'd never been to that, so it was really do like wreath making. Yeah, you can go and make wreaths. I was volunteering at that time. I was volunteering in the wreath making house. And then I realized after I was there for 10 minutes that I should never have done that because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so I basically was sweeping the floor a lot. <laughs> I learned. I do make wreaths every year myself, but I always kind of, I, I mean, I guess I kind of do it right because I was being taught that evening, but it's a great, they have all kinds of materials. So you pay $30 and you can make this fabulous, big, huge natural wreath. Do they and walk you through it? Like just, yes, yeah, okay. yes. They'll show you exactly how to do it. There are people who have been doing it for a really long time. So that is happening in one of those little houses. And then in another house, there's music and cookies and they have this big bonfire and they roast marshmallows and chestnuts. So it really has this feel of an old fashioned Christmas. That's how they frame it. But it really does feel that way. It's really cool. And since Bailey's Harbor is also doing its Christmas celebration that same exact time, it's really the whole town of Bailey's Harbor coming alight. You know what? We forgot one major Christmas event. The Chris Kindle Mart oh, also kicks off that's on right. Thanksgiving weekend. That is so popular. Um, so popular. And it really is a cool thing. I had my doubts when it was first announced. I'm like, oh, how are they going to pull this off? And Kudos to the folks at the Sister Bay Historical Society because it is a really cool event that brings a lot of people to their campus. I know it raises a lot of money for them. And yeah, it's a, like I've, I go like multiple times a year, just mm. like when other family comes into town, it's, it's fun to take them over there because it really does feel like, like a small town, sort of like a Hallmark card. Village. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Sister Bay doesn't feel like that enough. Like any place in Dura County, of course it does. It's so interesting. No, but, but you go over there and you got like log cabins and barns. <laughs> it's like with lights on them. It's cool. Um, we live in the quintessential yeah, Wisconsin villages, and then but we have to create little villages yeah, that we can go to. Within right. the village. They have tons of food there, tons of vendors, and Santa's there. They have music and everything, and it just is a pretty cool like Norman Rockwell esque kind of feel. That goes on for three weekends, the Thanksgiving weekend and then each weekend after that for a couple more weeks. So you'll have 
couple chances to check it out. It is, when it snows, it's kind of like magical there. So mm-hmm. hopefully they get some snow on some of those weekends. I think that covers all the major holiday events. Did we knock them all out? I think it does too. Egg Harbor has a really big one as well. That's kind of like a day long thing. The and holidays. Yeah, yeah, there are holidays. Anyway, that that list is in the paper and online. So we have a landing page for all holiday events, right, Miles? So people can go yeah. there and and see it in the paper so you won't miss anything. And what really strikes me as we're putting all of that material together at the beginning of each season is how much there is to do. If you are a family in Dora County and you have kids, then you literally can bring your kids to something almost every single weekend. Yeah, for like four straight weekends. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so it makes it very festive in a way that, you can't make memories, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. in any other place. I mean, that is, that's really valuable. And it's something that like all the, these are the kind of things that before I had kids, I just was like, whatever, you know. And now that I have a kid, I'm like, I think it, it becomes like so valuable to have ways to, to get them out and about, especially as the weather gets bad up here. Mm-hmm. And it's not as easy to just go to a playground in the park. You're like, oh. Now I see. Now now I'm in that parent brain of yeah. like how valuable these things can be. You know, one backtracking to the wreath making thing. Yeah. Every year after Christmas, I think I'm gonna save the metal ring. Yes. And next year I'm gonna make a wreath out of it and I'll make my own and save myself the money. And that is short lived. Oh usually. really? Oh bummer. Because then I'm like, well, how to t- taking this thing apart, trying to save this piece of metal. And what I always revert to is just uh, sometime in July. I burn that wreath and it creates this incredible <laughs> pyre of fire in my campfire and scares the crap out of my nieces and nephews. But it always seems like a really good idea. Like, I'm going to do it. This is the year I'm going to get crafty. And it's just like, when, when am I going to have the time to get crafty? And then I do it and it doesn't look anything like like the people who know what they're doing. Like, I'm sure yours looks beautiful. Mine, But it took like years crap. for mine to look beautiful because I was exactly that same way. I would save these every year. Then I would go into my shed and I would see all of these brown pine needles surrounding what I had no idea what to do with this ring. Like I didn't, I didn't know how they put it together. And so, no, I didn't do it. But then I was like, you know what? This can't be very difficult. I have to, I have to figure this out. So of course you can find anything online. So that was my first tutorial. So you should stay with it, Miles, because if you <laughs> keep telling yourself that, eventually it will happen. And it is way easier than it seems to build these wreaths. Way I easier. I don't know. Like, I, I went on a woodworking kick a couple of years ago, and I, I did okay with that. But, like, there's only so many things you can, like, pour yourself into. And you find out, you're like, oh, there's a reason woodworkers are really good at this. <laughs> like, they just do this, and they, they really spend the time on it, and I'm too lazy for that. <laughs> or, like, now that... Connor, my, my little guy is like three and a half. I'm like, oh, I should really like do a craft with him once in a while. And I sit down, I'm like, I'm going to draw with him. And it really impressed my son. And I start to draw a dinosaur with him and it is a hideous looking dinosaur. I'm like, it's not <laughs> impressive at all. My skills have not moved on from when I was his age drawing dinosaurs. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> and I have these visions of doing these cool things on my house. And then you, you see like Katie, the, the artist who works for us now. And you're like, no, I can't do that. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what. Oh, there's there's value in doing this for a living and being really talented. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I can't just pick up a pen and do that. What the heck? <laughs> but you can, however, write, and you can observe in ways that other people cannot. And you're a great 
podcast host. <laughs> you have all kinds of skills. This podcast, particularly, would it really put the lie to that yeah, comment. Yeah. <laughs> well, we were a little, you know, light. This and final product is probably going to be about 32 minutes, yeah. but you, everyone should know that it took 65 <laughs> minutes of recording to get like 32 usable ones. Um, on that note, let's go to the final thing we wanted to touch on for this week, and that is... It's not election season, no. but it is sign up to be elected season. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to run for a local office, then you want to start circulating your nomination papers by December 1. That's when it opens. And then you have to file those nomination papers with the requisite number of signatures and they have to be legal, all of that kind of stuff with your clerk by January 2nd. And that's how anybody gets onto the ballot for the April spring election. And that's also the presidential primary election. If there are lots of people who are running for these local offices, then the primary is in February. So the spring election really is for local municipalities. So your local village, town, city, Every one of the county board supervisors are up for re-election. Oh, it's a county board year. Yeah, yeah, it's a county board year. And the one circuit court judge seat is up. Judge Ehlers had mm-hmm. announced he wouldn't run again. So that seat is up. And then there are about 12 different municipalities that are having elections this year. The towns of Bailey's Harbor, Egg Harbor, Gardner, Gibraltar, Liberty Grove, Nassawapi, Sevastopol, and Washington, and then the villages of Egg Harbor, Ephraim, Forestville, Sister Bay, and the city of Sturgeon Bay. So it's not all of them, but it is a good majority of them. And then also all five school boards have open seats that are, uh, well, have seats that are going to be up for election. Okay. So those are the types of offices that if you really want to serve your community and you want to have a say in what is going on in your community, then this is a great way to do it. But you need to act now. When you're circulating nomination papers, this is an interesting part of this, if I have this right. You go out for your signatures. Somebody can't sign yours and somebody else's, right? They can only sign one. I think this happened with Dave when he was circulating last year. There are so many different rules. I was looking at the statute because when you go to find out, because I thought, well, I want to see exactly how many signatures you need to get for each one of these offices and then you fall down this rabbit hole (laughs) of statute and they have most of the statute addresses what is a legal signature most of the statute so there are a whole bunch of things i think i have this right in at least some communities where you can't like somebody can't sign multiple papers that would make sense and What's interesting about that is it's like, if you get to them first, you can get their signature. Because most people would like to support any of their neighbors. Like, yeah, run yeah. for office. That's great. But if you already signed somebody else, it creates this awkward thing where you go up to your friend and you're like, hey, can you sign my papers? They're like, uh, no, I actually already signed for your opponent. <laughs> like, it's nice when you're in a town of like 200 people and like there's this overlap and you're like, oh. I bet you can retract it though. You can go to that first person and say, hey, I didn't know my buddy was going to be running. So <laughs> can you, you know, take that off? I'll double check this after the episode so we're not misleading <laughs> people, but I think that's how it works. So you can leave this all in, Rachel. No, there is so much, there are so many different requirements, I'm telling you. And, I, and so I really did not, because I'm not running for office, <laughs> I didn't actually list all of them or report all of them, and therefore I didn't read all of them. So I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's just um, how that goes. You have to prioritize your time. 
Well, it's actually always an interesting season this like next month for us as reporters, just to see one of the first things you find out is who files non-candidacy papers. Yeah. So who's already on a board, they have to file if they don't plan to run, if they know they're not going to run, to be pulled off the ballot, which right. is interesting as well, because sometimes you find, you know, someone you just think is a given decide to step down or a town chair or a mayor or whatever, if they file, like that opens up a, a huge gap. Right. So. And another interesting thing about the spring elections that isn't for the general election, because we do have also state and congressional offices that are going to be in the general election in November when we're also electing a new president. But the interesting one about the uh, April election is that if you take out nomination papers and you file them and everything is legal and you're on the ballot, you have to die before they will take you off the ballot. So there is no way that your name, like if you decide, no, uh, you know, I'm not going to do this after all, mm. your name will still be on the ballot. So it doesn't matter if you lose in a primary or whatever happens, your name is going to be on that ballot. Interesting. I think that's it for this week. Do we got anything else to talk about? I don't think so. I, yeah, no, I don't think so. I think we got it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Deb. And thank you to all our listeners for tuning in again this week. We'll be back again next week with a couple of special episodes for the Thanksgiving holiday. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. This podcast is produced by Miles Danhausen Jr. and edited by Rachel Lucas. If you want to help us continue to create more great episodes just like this one, visit our website at doorcountypulse.com.